Puck Talks Podcast is brought to you by Zach Cook and Spencer Lucier. What up? This is Puck Talks Radio. I'm Zach Cook alongside Spencer Lucier. And this holiday season, boy, do we ever have a deal for you. Club Homestand, a new perk coming along with the Homestand sports brand. So for $49.99 a year, you can get tickets to all Rivoli Homestand shows, which is a $500 plus value, which it comes with pre-sale access, a newsletter, Club Homestand Slack channel. It's going to show you all the stuff we talk about behind the scenes. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss that. There's some interesting comments to say the least. It's going to give you partner discounts. A lot more, so log on to homestandsports.com and you're going to want to take a look at this and maybe get this for uh, your sports fan in your household. Uh, Spencer and I got off to a little uh, technical difficulty today before the episode. It might be because we're uh, we're lacking a certain producer, Ferguson. It took us a while to, to get going in studios. Uh, you guys probably have no idea, but we usually, we usually record the episode around 9 a.m. on Friday morning, but we're here around 5.30 p.m. on Friday now. Because of uh, just different schedules, we're on break now, so uh, it comes with a different territory. Uh, Spencer, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's a little wet on the ground. Uh, the snow definitely doesn't help. I had to uh, get the dog sled out to, to get here today, but uh, we're here. So the last week or so for the Toronto Maple Leafs hasn't exactly been uh, banner worthy. They've lost four of their last five games, but there is uh, there is an end in sight. Potentially Austin Matthews skated with the, the boys this morning. He practiced on the top line. That's always a, a great sign when, you're, when your best player is, is back with the group. And he finally came out and said that he basically had a concussion. He was going through the concussion protocol. So at least we, at least we figured that out now, but Matthews back centering the top line with Zach Hyman and William Nylander. So the lines are, are kind of back to normal now. Are, are we going to see him Saturday night? I, I mean, it's almost too too good, the story, the, the kind of how the story unfolds, where he makes his triumphant return, uh, the game after the Christmas break in Arizona, in his hometown. I never really thought of it like that, but I like that a lot because I think it wouldn't hurt anyways to give him a little more time to heal. You never no. know with concussions, so that's the kind of thing, but... That, that'd be uh, quite the return to return in his hometown of Arizona. But the rest of the lines right now, you got JVR on the left wing of the second line being centered by Tyler Bozak and Mitch Marner, who's been playing fantastic of late. And on the third trio, you got Nazem Kadri being uh, around Patrick Marlowe and Leo Komarov and then Dominic Moore uh, between Connor Brown and Matt Martin. That's uh, There's some pretty formidable trios. Yeah, it's... it's... <sighs> It's too bad. I, I like seeing William Nylander at center, but I mean, uh, obviously, it's it's not bad when you get Austin Matthews back. But the, the, these Leafs lines have been balanced the whole season. They've been uh, pretty good. I mean, you're not going to separate uh, Bozak, JVR, Marner, uh, especially with those those guys that playing hot of late. Everyone talks about how Marner had the four points, but Bozak quietly had the the same points uh, in that uh, next century game, as they're they're calling it. But uh, yeah, the lines look fine. They're uh, like you said, back to normal. You know what? Carolina comes in there for that game, and just you had this feeling that there was there's no chance that they were picking up a win that day. Just the hockey gods. I know. I know we're all not believers of those, but there was just no chance that that kind of a game the Leafs are are putting up a loss. They played the perfect victim for what that game was supposed to be. The the whole celebrating the the past a hundred years and the next uh, and then the coming next years. Uh, uh, so I mean the Hurricanes. Uh, played the perfect victim in in that game. 8-1 shellacking. I mean, that's uh, pretty ridiculous when you're ushering the next century. 
in. So me and you kind of talked about yesterday how the Leafs survived the, the first time Matthews was out, and we think it was because kind of it came really randomly, and they just kind of kept rolling as they were at that time period. Uh, this time, not so much. They've been playing a, a, a lot worse hockey, especially the back end. They haven't been playing up to their potential. But with Matthews' return on the horizon, are you expecting the Leafs to maybe uh, get back into their regular mojo here? Because the Bruins are quietly right behind them in the Atlantic Division race, and then you got a bunch of other teams kind of just quietly in the mix. They're not in it right now, but they're not going away either. Yeah, there's always one team uh, that always just kind of shows up uh, at odd times. It's always been Tampa and Toronto that are holding out the, the top spot, but then earlier it's been Ottawa, Montreal's been up there. Now it's Boston's turn, but uh, they've been playing some pretty good hockey. But yeah, going back to the the original question, you you got to think Matthews kind of comes in and settles everything down and and uh, really locks it down, despite whoever the the opponents are, because this team is a is a legit uh, force in the NHL, and uh, especially with a guy like Matthews kind of captaining. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't say the word. Yeah, captain maybe you shouldn't him. say that, especially <laughs> around Lou and the, the management uh, uh, team. Uh, but when he comes back, he, you know everyone just kind of follows suit, and uh, you know. A true leader, as as they would say. So it, it's funny because you have guys like Josh Levo and Kasperi Kapanen on the being the odd man out right now. But those are like those are top nine forwards on basically any other club in the National Hockey League. So it just kind of shows you the the plethora of depth that the Toronto Maple Leafs have, and you kind of wonder if those maybe two of the names that that could be included in a package for a, a top tier defenseman. We don't really know who's available yet, and that's something that will. We'll discuss as those names be continue to to begin known, but right now it seems like those are two of the guys that they might want to showcase and maybe get into the lineup to try to to try to trade for that top defenseman. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I mean, they have the roster freeze on right now uh, in, until after the Christmas break, uh, but there's always names that surface after after the Christmas breaks. It's like the GMs, you know, they they take the time to reassess where the team is and and you know figure out who's for sale and who's not, but. Uh, Definitely, you got to look at those two guys. I mean, the, Toronto doesn't need to make a ridiculous move by by trading, you know, the the big three sophomores. But like like you said, Kapanen and Levo to showcase them and, and to you know try and bring up their value and get the the most for that. I, I'm definitely in favor of. Let's get right into the fill in the blanks now. Uh, we know that those are uh, a very popular segment, but uh, I'll start with my first question for you. You know, we've. He's not in the. He's not been a, a regular in the lineup, but he comes in, does his job when he's he's been doing so far with the with the Leafs. And we're talking about Roman Polak, of course. Uh, Roman Polak has surprisingly posted good possession numbers this season when in the lineup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Spencer, I'm going to pose this question to you. This is more surprising than blank. This is more surprising than him even playing this year after that crazy leg injury he had uh, in the playoffs that literally, you know, bent his whole leg uh, a different way. So uh, I know there's a lot of talk that, you know, he was 37, 38. He's getting up there in age for a hockey player and, uh, you know, no teams will want to pick him up. But the Leafs did. And for me, that was kind of a head scratcher. I was like, why do you want this guy that's, uh, you know, basically his legs in another direction? But He's back, and he's actually playing some pretty good minutes, uh, especially with Zaitsev out. Uh, he he was the one that benefited with the uh, the minute uh, rise, played almost 21 minutes in uh, the game in uh, Columbus. So, uh, fantastic play uh, so far. Like I mean, he hasn't been a 
on the ice and you, you notice that he's struggling but yeah i'm pretty surprised he's even playing so there, that that would be my uh, answer to that yeah it's a little surprising because last year he was the opposite of an analytics guru but this year he's kind of been posting some quietly good possession numbers and maybe it's the the sheltered role that he's been given on that bottom pairing with a guy like andreas borgman but we'll see what the future holds for maybe he's just hitting his him. prime now yeah maybe in his uh, late 30s he's hitting yeah. his prime finally and he wants that uh last shot at a stanley cup and uh what better place than the toronto maple Leafs right now yeah is the, they wound back the clock for him too uh he's a younger roman Pol- Polak now uh my my question to you um with the beautiful celebration that took place uh on saturday the 100 year anniversary uh eugene melnick kind of muddied the waters a little bit uh you know, saying, you know, fans show up to our our games or else I'm moving the team and, you know, kind of acted uh, a little spoiled. So Eugene, well, I just gave you my answer, but Eugene <laughs> Melnick is acting like a blank. I'm going to say a massive power trip. And I'm going to say that because he just, no one's really taking what he's saying as credible anymore. And it just because like you're looking at the whole Sens army or whatever you want to call them, they're all coming out against them. They're all starting this hashtag on Twitter, hashtag Melnick out. And it's, it's funny because they all want it done, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening in the near future, especially with him and the ego that he has behind him. So it really depends on uh, the circumstances there. But just to hear a, an owner say that kind of stuff about his team, like making it one goal away from the, the Stanley Cup last year and then saying, oh, we can't even draw games. Maybe you need to do a better job of marketing. Maybe you need to move the arena. Maybe you need to do a, a better job in the city of Ottawa than you're doing right now because clearly something's not right. And I think there is a place for hockey in Ottawa, but right now it's uh, certainly not working with him at the, the helm. Well, uh, he's uh, he's going to be holding on to to that until basically his uh, his deathbed. There, the way he said it, he's like, "I'm not, I'm not getting rid of my investment. Uh, I'm going to have to change it if uh, if they're not going to show up." Basically, a little threat to Ottawa fans there or Sens Army. But uh, yeah, I, I'm on board, man. I didn't like this, these comments at all. It kind of muddied the what what was supposed to be a pretty good tradition of uh, of the hundred years in Canada, uh, the the celebration on Parliament Hill as well. So. Uh, I didn't like that, using that platform to uh, kind of be a little baby about it, his uh, team. Kind of been known to be a little big baby about it, so uh, not exactly the most surprising words coming from Eugene Melnick. But my second question for you, Spencer. Lately, there's been a lot of discussion about offsides in the NHL and just the review process in general. So blank is currently the biggest flaw about the National Hockey League. I think the biggest flaw in, in the National Hockey League... Uh, it's got a it's got a point towards kind of the referees, and I I understand what what they're trying to do is they're enforcing new rules and every season it seems like where they're making their impact most. But you can see on uh, basically this whole week where you know John Tortorella he voiced his displeasure against it. Uh, you know his team sent the puck over the glass. Obviously we all know that's a, that's a that's a penalty, but you know it's kind of a dumb one where it really can affect the the flow of the game or the the pace of the game. So for me I think they they're giving the referees a little bit too much to to try and call the like I mean I think it's bullshit that they hover over the the faceoff dot and and wait till everyone's finished their three practice swipes of the faceoff and then actually drop the faceoff. So I don't know. I think they've they've given the referees a little Obviously, they need to be a big part of this game because they're officiating it, but I mean some of the calls are getting to be a little ridiculous to the point where it's affecting the game and the flow of it. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting 
way of looking at it, but I, I don't disagree at all. The officials have a little too much power now for my liking. Then you can see that they're they're certainly utilizing that. And if a player maybe shows them up, then they're not afraid to to look him back in the eye and wait for that revenge call. So it, you know that's always well, coming. It, it's in all all sports too. I mean, I, I was watching the the Raptor game last night too, and, and towards the, down the stretch there, the the refs stuck their nose in what was going to be a pretty good uh, finish to a game. So it, still it, ended up all right. <laughs> it still ended up all right if you're Toronto fans, but. Uh, I don't know. I think it's getting to be a little bit ridiculous the amount of uh, power officials are getting uh, in all sports. Yeah, you see it everywhere. You see umpires in baseball. You see officials in basketball and on the ice and even in the NFL. It's a little more, uh, it's a little harder in the NFL to to make it go through. But we still see some clown calls and some stuff that doesn't just make like, a lot of just sense. Just like so. players, they have their own egos, and once uh, once someone crosses their, their the the line, then they have to you know I'll stick leave it up at, for themselves. I'll <laughs> leave it at this. At the end of the day, uh, people aren't buying tickets to see the officials. They're buying tickets to see these players play. So let's leave it right there. Beautifully said. Uh, now there's another young American. Me, I think he's a superstar in the making, but there's another young, uh, talented American coming up through the ranks uh, in, in Vancouver. So I want to know, Zach, blank is what Brock Besser is in the NHL. I'm going to say he's the next superstar sniper. You kind of stole the word from my oh, mouth. My bad, but I, just, my bad. I love the poise that this kid has. Like You watch the game against Montreal when the Canucks were trailing by two goals late, and then you see Besser get a chance in the slot. Carey Price comes out and challenges him, and he goes roof daddy on him. He literally just, you can't, you can't miss by one inch more than that, or it's off the crossbar and out. He just puts it perfectly in the top right-hand corner of the net, and just what a freaking shot! This guy is a star in the league. He's a star in the making. You could even call him a superstar already. But you look at just his track record in in uh, the NCAA and other uh, leagues. It's just so much, so much star power in this kid, and it's it's about time you find these young players in the Canucks with Bo Horvat and guys like him to turn around this franchise because it's coming. You can see that the the Canucks have a bright future as soon as. The Sedins kind of quietly are eventually going to go away. So, but these are the next waves of the Vancouver Canucks, the Bo Horvats, the Brock Besser, and they'll be able to to carry this team for a while now. I think I think it's pretty funny where uh, we see a lot of the the great Canadian players, the the young talents like the Crosbys when he was coming up, the Taves, how they were all getting drafted to the American teams, but now the Canadian teams are benefiting from America's riches. It where Johnny Goudreau's over in Ca- Ca- Calgary. Brought, uh, Bessers in Vancouver, Matthews in uh, in Toronto. So I think that's kind of uh, ironic. If uh, I, I don't know, just putting that out there now that <laughs> now that you said that. But man, this Besser kid definitely loves to score. What I like most about him too, Zach, he like he just knows when to take the opportune time to get close to the net. Because the in most of, like if he's not shooting the puck, he's close to the net and he's just hovered around the net. But he shows up at the right time to just bang it in. So I don't know. He just has a knack for scoring, which uh, he, I mean he's. Very, very like uh, Patrick Laine in Winnipeg. So I know you actually were talking to me about this before the show, and you you think there's a, a comparison to be made between uh, Laine and Besser. Uh, I I can't disagree with that just because you look at their both of these these star players, and they're both snipers. They both have that elite shot, and just their ability to streak down the wing and be dangerous at any given time in a game is just so powerful in today's National Hockey League. That's the kind of player you want on your team. Maybe not build your franchise around but the kind of guy you want to to go to war with initially i wanted to see if there was like any big difference where we can be like oh you know who, who's gonna be better besser or line which is ridiculous just saying it because both kids are gonna be awesome but uh 
I, initially I was like, okay, I want to see if there's a, any big difference, but actually kind of looking it up and, and doing the research, these guys are on the same kind of trajectory uh, trajectory f- through their first 41 games. Uh, only Be- Bezer has one more point in, through 41 games in line A. So, I mean, uh, both guys literally you know, up at the top uh, top of the faceoff dot for the power plays, uh, letting that one-timer go, and then with uh, ridiculous uh, snapshots as well. So, yeah, both kids are going to be uh, pretty awesome. So what do you think uh, about the World Juniors? I want to move on a bit here. Actually, just before we just before we move on, uh, let's uh, let's pose a little bit of a, a question for our listeners. You know, we're gonna in the near future, potentially in the new year, we're gonna we're gonna make a little bracket for the fans, and we're gonna do a little uh, under twenty three, under twenty four kind of bracket for stars in the National Hockey League. We're gonna do a March Madness themed kind of thing. So we might end up doing that on our live show on the panel. We might get the crowd involved for that on the next uh, Puck Talk show. So we'll see about that. But there definitely will be a young player's uh, bracket going down in the near future. The two of us won't be able to pick a proper winner where everyone will be happy. So we'll just yell uh, at we, each we other. Definitely, and, we definitely so. need uh, the fans' uh, fans help uh, deciding who would be the winner in this bracket because, uh, I mean, we're looking around the league and it's pretty ridiculous the amount of uh, kids that are, you know, not needing a lot of time to make an impact in this league. Kind of before we uh, get to the eventual topic of Canada at the World Juniors, now that we have a, a set roster, uh, just kind of around the league now, just looking around the league at TSN. And so a couple things going on in the National Hockey League. Uh, in Montreal, there was a, a scrap at practice yesterday. Andrew Shaw and Joe Morrow went at it a bit. What do you what do you think about when two teammates go out of that practice? Do you think it's a big deal? I'm gonna say I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just two professionals getting heated. They're not having the best time of their their career right now. So I think it's just kind of an overflow of emotions. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't look too much into it. I mean, at the end of the day, like they're they're kind of going back to the rest. Their egos, their machismos get all go all into it and then you know, a guy rubs you the wrong way in the heat of the moment. You're going to, you know, I guess attack him or whatever happened. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking into it. I'm sure they're going to buy each other dinner or something and, and make up for it. But uh, yeah, I don't look too much into it. It actually might have sparked, uh, you know, a hot play from the Habs coming down the sh- or in the next stretch or whatever. But I don't look too much into it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, regardless, we'll we'll see what happens with the Montreal Canadiens here. They're on a big Western Conference road trip now. With no Weber too. Yeah, with no Shea Weber, uh, guys like Jakob Yarabek, uh, players like him are gonna have to step up, and we'll see uh, what the future holds for the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, now it's everyone's favorite time of year. It's right now it's December twenty second when we're doing this episode, and the World Juniors, of course, begin every year on Boxing Day. We talked about it last year. About how during Boxing Day, it's always the best time of the year. You know, the the boys hit the ice, and it just it feels like Christmas Day, even though it's Boxing Day. So you always take that into consideration. Uh, Spencer, are you looking forward to the World Juniors? Absolutely. I I think last episode or a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how this has really been instilled into uh, kind of a Christmas tradition. I know uh, Haley said that as well. So. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I'm always excited to see kind of the prospects on which teams and, and to see, you know, what they have and and kind of get a uh, good eye test of what these next prospects are going to be like. Yeah, I watched the, the pre-tournament game against the Czech Republic. I watched the, the full 60 minutes, obviously a, a dominant showing from the Canadians, a 9 nothing victory. Uh, 
Some things that I just wanted to note from my viewing, I was really impressed with the the mobility and the the puck moving ability from the back end, specifically that that top pair, uh, Kale Clegg and uh, Kale McCarr. That is gonna be that is gonna screw a lot of people up. Just the two names together, there's there's makings for just to, <laughs> it. It almost screwed me up there. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, did I say that? Did I look at that right or did I read that wrong? And I'm just a lot of a lot of issues with that. I'm sure is gonna gonna come about, but. Uh, Victor Mete has been on the second pairing with Connor Timmins, and then Jake Bean has been kind of the third pairing with a, a couple of different guys. There's been uh, Cal Foot on the on the third pairing there, but there's also been some other guys because Connor Timmins he's questionable tonight. It looks like he's not gonna play in the, the exhibition game in Hamilton tonight, but we'll see what happens with this Team Canada team. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to to the tournament just because I I can't remember the last time that Canada had such a strong back end and goaltending. Carter Hart obviously is in net for this team, and it goes back for me to Carey Price when they have yeah. this strong goaltending. And otherwise, it's always been a a question mark throughout the tournament. You always see them go back and forth between two guys. One guy screws up, the other guy comes in, and then it's, it somehow always ends up back to the other guy. So you never really know in this tournament. Yeah, it, it's either I, I'm with you. It, it's been all the way since Carey Price, where the the goaltender has been the the dominant aspect of this World Junior team because a lot of the World Junior teams had the likes of Connor McDavid coming up, Jordan Eberle, all these. Guys guys right so they all kind of shadowed the weakness of what uh the goaltending might be but yeah carter hart's gonna be a a, a stud for this uh, for canada in this tournament and then like you said the mobility on this back end is definitely what their strength uh coming into this pre-tournament game was uh what they were gonna hope to show and that's what they did so uh, I, i'm really looking forward to seeing uh the, kind of the uh, defensive side of team canada this year so you look up front then, and uh, you know we talked about the back end and the goaltending. You look up front now in the lineup, and it's a deep team, but there really isn't any superstars. And you'll notice that it's a lot of uh, late first round picks, a lot of second and third, and sometimes even fourth round picks on this team. So it's a lot of guys that are are still trying to prove themselves as quality NHL prospects. You know, I really like the look of the team, but it just worries me when you get to those elimination games and you don't have that game breaking talent. Obviously, you had Robert Thomas and Taylor Radish both get four points. It looks like they got some chemistry against yeah. the Czech Republic. That's a that's a good sign moving forward. It's it's a really deep team with a lot of speed. I think that's going to be their strength is their speed up and down the lineup, and that's obviously really important in these uh, under twenty tournaments. For for sure, for sure, it's all all these kids can skate nowadays, uh, all over the world now too, and and you're definitely going to have to rely on speed. But that that's why I think it's almost. Uh, better that th- these guys don't have obviously will help that you have a superstar sniper on your team like the, the Americans are, are going to be a, a, def- a force for th- in this uh, tournament as well as, as Sweden too Pedersen in, uh, in Sweden is ridiculous plus on the back end but going back to Canada they, they're they one of these teams like that are kind of the underdogs which is uh, weird to say going into this tournament because of the likes of the, these other teams I said Sweden and, and USA so I think the, uh, these kids will be able to kind of rally against that, and and they all can play, they all can score. Uh, they're among the the game's best when it comes to being uh, a junior. So uh, I really don't see any uh, problems. I think they're going to be right there when the tournament's over. I'm annoyed because you kind of took the question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, you know, who are the biggest threats for Team Canada to kind of make a another run at gold? You know, for me, I look at this team, and you have the you have the Canadian squad, and I think it's more of a it's, it's tighter than it's ever been for me. You have five teams that could potentially win it all. I'm going to say four realistically. I, I like the Russian squad, and they always have the skill, but you just always question if they're going to they're gonna all put it together in, the, in the, the grand scheme of things. But you have 
four powerhouses this year. You have you got Canada, you got USA, you got Sweden, and you got Finland. Those are probably the four favorites. To me, I yeah. lean USA and Sweden as the top teams. Then I put Finland and Canada in more of a secondary range. But just you look at the the top six of uh, Team USA, and it's guys like Kiefer Bellows, Casey Middlestad, Riley Tuft, and Kaylor Yamamoto, yeah, Oilers prospect, uh, centered by Logan Brown and Brady Kachuk, who's uh, going to be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. So they're a really deep squad as well, and you have another top 10 pick on the back end in Quinn Hughes, supposedly going to go. You got a veteran in Adam Fox on their back end, and then you you move over to Sweden, and it's even, it's even scarier. You got guys like Timothy Lilligren, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs first-round pick, you have uh, Rasmus Delan, the projected first overall pick in this entry draft this year. So, and I'm not even mentioning the guys up front. You know, as Peter, as Patterson up front for that team is going to be uh, definitely a team to be reckoned with in this tournament. Well, well, your buddy uh, Ryan Paling there on on USA. I mean, he's a quality talent, and because there's yeah, so much, center. yeah, exactly. There's so much uh, talent loaded up in that top six for Team USA that it pushes a quality guy like Paling down to a checking or a, you know a third line role like that yeah more of a secondary role for him but uh he's having an, uh, an incredible year this year at st cloud state so we'll continue to keep an eye on the development of ryan paling but uh just you look at some of these other countries especially uh finland they have a very promising roster this year uh i don't know about you but what does canada need to do to to kind of because they play, they play Finland in the first game on Boxing Day. How does Canada kind of approach that game? Because I always find it's it's hard to get your legs under you for that first game. That's why these exhibition games do help in regards to chemistry. But what does Canada have to do to, to kind of set the tone in this tournament early on? I think they have to be pretty physical uh, to set the tone. I mean, you know, like a lot of people say with Carey Price, a lot of people have the stigma he's the best goalie in the world, and that gets into the opponent's minds. Well, Canada's been such a juggernaut in these uh, in these international tournaments that I think it does have a little bit of, of play in, in the opposition's mind. So I think using that and then being physical with this Finland Finland team is definitely what uh, Canada needs to do to get off to a key start because uh, it, it's going to be tough. All these kids can skate. Uh, they have a pretty mobile uh, back end as well, and they can transition the 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 puck up to the the offensive zone pretty quickly so they're, they're just gonna have to forecheck hard pressure that defense and 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 really be physical with this finland team just to have a good start to the tournament in my opinion yeah you just look at how deep that team is and uh i don't want to talk about the halves for the entire show but uh yanni eakin and expected to be the the third line center for that team on finland but up front that top six very dangerous i'm expecting tolvanen to maybe lead the tournament in scoring he's been having a very good year the nashville predators uh draft pick this year and then you have guys like miro heiskinen on the back end Oli Ulevi. It's just a very deep back end, and it really, I, I just want to see them put it all together because they have so much skill up and down the lineup. Christian Veselainen, you just uh, center Yanni Kukinen. It's just a very deep finish team. I, I think uh, Ulevi is going to be the most watched player, uh, specific player in this tournament. I think Vancouver is still kind of waiting to see if this guy's going to pan out for them. And uh, uh, they took him really early ahead of guys like uh, Kachuk. Uh, Specifically, so- Victor Mete comes to mind because uh, he kind of has outshone him in the. Made his NHL debut already. Looks right at yeah. home, but you will have you kind of a step behind him right exactly. now. Exactly. So uh, I think I think he'll be pro- one of one of the most watched prospects in this tournament, just because I think Vancouver. A lot of Vancouver fans are going to be watching this tournament because uh, Canucks aren't really doing so well. So I think they're they're just going to tune in to see how their prospects are doing. But uh, definitely, I think you has got a lot to prove, especially after a a, a crap the bed type performance in last year's uh, World Juniors. 
Yeah, we weren't expecting uh, Finland to be that bad last year, but they ended up uh, out of the... Not even I can't remember. Did they make the the quarterfinals? Uh, what's uh, I don't think they did. They were in the relegation round, weren't they? Yeah. And they had to they had to survive. So if I if if I'm uh, correct, uh, we'll we'll see about that. We'll take a look after. But well, we have no producer, Ferg's. Yeah, we have no we us. have no producer to give us the stats in our ears. But regardless, uh, Team Finland, Team Canada, Team USA, Team Sweden, and potentially even Team Russia. It's going to be quite the interesting tournament. Especially I'm looking forward to Canada, USA. They're going outdoors on I believe it's December 29th at uh, New Era Field in yeah. Buffalo. That's going to be a, a hell of an experience. It's the first time that the the World yeah, Juniors have ever pretty, gone outdoors. That'll be pretty cool to have a, a little uh, international puck on, on uh, some outdoor ice for to to close off 2017. Because we know how heated Canada, USA gets, and just throw them outside, and uh, it's no hold. Barred. Uh, I'll be interested <laughs> to see how the the teams respond to that because it always takes the NHLers a little time to adjust when they're put outside. But you know the juniors, they've been always known to play their pond hockey. You know everyone loves their pond hockey. Yeah, I can speak for us. I um, I'm out there a lot during the winter. But not that any of you actually uh, give a shit what I do during my winter. But <laughs> you know regardless, uh, it, it, it's a great time of year. It's it's. It's Christmas time, it's Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, that time of year, and uh, we're pretty uh, happy to have you with us along for this journey. Yeah, uh, I mean, of course, we're, we're happy to have everyone uh, joining us for, for a little uh, celebration before it gets to the holiday time. But uh, yeah, just going back to, to the outdoor game, I, I don't know, I, I, I mean, I watched the, the, the Centennial game with Ottawa and, and Montreal. I felt like the factors of like the snow and, and how cold it was actually got to... It took away from what this game could have been uh, with a, the two rivalries like that. So I, I don't know. It depends on how how the good, how you know nice of a night it is uh, in Buffalo on the 29th. But the factors can really affect uh, how this game's going to turn out. We might not see a crazy uh, barbaric two two rivals against each other in the in the the cold like that, right? They it, it tends to tighten up. Yeah, that was uh, not the greatest no, uh, showing by test. either team. You know, was, <laughs> I don't even think Montreal registered a scoring chance in that game. That just goes to show you uh, how poor the, the quality of play was there. But moving forward here, uh, big things in 2018 for Homestand Sports. Uh, we'll look to get you another episode on, I think it's the, is it the, would it be the 29th next Friday? It would be. So is that that's the day Canada plays the outdoor game. So we'll maybe have to maybe have to see about uh maybe Spencer and I'll uh, watch that game together and uh probably, it would yeah. probably have to be an early episode uh to 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 do this and then uh, cuz we're not going to want to miss that. You know, we're big hockey fans obviously hosting the Puck Talks podcast with Homestand Sports. Gonna so we're gonna not going to want to miss Christmas that. tradition if we uh if we voice this during the 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 game. It's going to ruin the Christmas oh, tradition. Oh, we're not we're not missing the game. Trust me that we're not missing the game. I think it's a 3 p.m. puck drop that day. A little weird, you know. There's oh, going to be shit. a lot of there's going to be a lot of people uh, missing sco- missing school, missing work that day just because it's uh yeah. It feels like a national call in sick day because not a lot of people are going to want to miss uh, Canada and USA going outside. Uh, but like I mentioned, uh, Homestand Sports is going to have a big year in 2018. We're expanding. There's going to be a lot of uh, new perks that come with this company. Uh, we're happy to be along for the ride. We look forward uh, to you joining us all as we uh, head into 2018. We're really excited and we're thankful that we have the viewership that we do right now. For now, for Spencer Lucier, I'm Zach Cook. Happy New Year, everyone. We'll see you on the 29th and we're out. Merry Christmas, guys.
Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. 